OT After Dark is a podcast run by two occupational therapists and is for adults only. The views on this podcast are our own and are intended for information and educational purposes only. We believe that sex and sexual pleasure are a human right for consenting adults, regardless of ability, age, gender, or sexual orientation. We discuss topics that cover a wide variety of sex and sexual practices. To be true to our strong views regarding inclusivity, we use common and slang terms regarding sexual topics, which may be considered explicit. Listener discretion is advised. We have exciting news to share. We recently partnered with DirectRec, a free app for OT practitioners, PT practitioners, and speech-language pathologists. DirectRec helps clinicians to find peer-vetted products, and we recently have added our own recommendations of products on DirectRec for sexual health and wellness. We helped DirectRec get a little extra sexy. DirectRec helps clinicians share products and other digital info, like YouTube videos and Google Docs, with their clients. DirectRec helps you to track clients' follow-through on your product recommendations. So to start using DirectRec, click on the link on our website at otafterdark.com or in our social media bios. Hi, I'm Kay. And I'm JJ. And we're both occupational therapists. And we're here talking to you about sex. I'm calling this one, this is going to be part two of, of pelvic floor therapy. Pelvic floor 2.0. Woohoo! Um, today, who do we have today? We have Lindsay Vestal, who is an occupational therapist and is the owner of the Functional Pelvis, which is a pelvic floor therapy clinic uh, in New York City. And today we're going to get into dilators and vibrators and dilating vibrators. And good old-fashioned lube. Lube. I didn't know there was so much to know about lube. I know. Anyway, sit back, take a listen. Welcome. We are here today with Lindsay Vestal, who is an occupational therapist and is the owner of the Functional Pelvis, which is a pelvic floor therapy clinic in based out of New York City. So welcome, Lindsay. We're very excited to have you here on OT After Dark. Okay, and JJ, it's my honor. I've listened to so many of your episodes, and I'm just thrilled to join you today. We're thrilled to have you. Yes. Um, give our listeners a little bit about your background. Yeah, sure. So as you guys know, I'm a proud occupational therapist. Um, myself and fellow OT, Sonia Ryder, provide pelvic floor therapy house calls to mainly pre and postnatal clients in New York City. I also provide online courses for the public. Uh, My latest is called Kegels That Work, a guide for women who want to stop guessing and start taking back control. Uh, I also offer online courses and mentorship for other OTs who are interested in pursuing pelvic health. Uh, my flagship course for that, for professionals, is called OT Pioneers, an introduction to pelvic floor therapy. And I think what's what's most interesting is I started functional pelvis at a time when I didn't know many OTs mm-hmm. existed in the pelvic health world. And there was just so much to learn along the way that now I'm at a point in my career where I'm just so incredibly passionate about encouraging as many OTs as possible mm-hmm. 
to pursue this incredibly rewarding field that I truly believe is so well served through an OT perspective. How did your career take you to this area of practice? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so when I went to NYU for OT school, I knew that I always wanted to work with this really sensitive taboo part of the body, mm -hmm. but I always thought I was going to work with the older adult population. And this stemmed from experiencing my dad going through prostate cancer and having urinary frequency and urgency. Mm -hmm. And at the time I was thinking, gosh, aren't there just muscles down there? Like you know, my dad was this very socially gregarious, outspoken person who, you know, was involved in every community possible in his town. And I saw him go from this very extroverted person to somebody whose quality of life completely changed. I mean, he wouldn't leave the house. And I remember thinking, these are muscles. Like, isn't there something we can do about this? So um, went to Dr. Google. <laughs> <laughs> found that, yeah, there was a specialty for it. And it was a PT specialty. At this point, I was not, I was not in, in school yet. I was actually a technical writer. Mm -hmm. So I have an English background and writing background. And I found him a pelvic floor therapist. And I literally saw his life change before my eyes. Um, I attended a lot of the sessions with him and was just so incredibly impressed um, with the fact that if someone was open to it, their quality of life could be changed in a really conservative, special way. Um, so then I, at that point, thought I was going to be a PT. And I was shadowing at a uh, outpatient facility. And one day the PT who I was, you know, partnered with uh, didn't show up. She was sick that day. So the director said, look, it's really important to know how to work with cross disciplines. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pair you with this OT. I was like, well, what's OT? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and um, come to behold that day, the OT was working on memory with a stroke client. And I remember thinking, this is fascinating. I mean, we can work with the mental aspect of an injury as well. And there was a lot of emotional stuff that got, you know, interwoven in. And I think she was doing like cognitive behavioral therapy. And I was just so incredibly impressed. At that day, I was like, wait a second. I know that I want to be in the pelvic health world. I think OTs can serve this subject matter with so much more holistic approach, so much more sensitivity, so much more... I don't know, well-rounded, you know, approach that I thought, okay, this is the, this is where I'm going to go. So I didn't look back. Um, and then after I started my family, uh, I really started to pivot my focus and I went to the pre and postnatal population, which I would say makes up about 85% of my practice now. Interesting. Um, so we've had another, we had a previous episode talking about pelvic floor. Um, I guess yeah. I'm going to consider this kind of part two of pelvic floor. <laughs> my, my honor to follow in Lindsay and Janelle's footsteps. They had a great episode. Yeah, that was a great episode. Um, one of the things, I think the thing we'll start with is um, talking about more of the hands-on, more of the tools, and specifically vibes and dilators and rehab and, and what that's all about. So I'm just going to let yeah. you dive on in to what that's all about. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think that... Um, the reason we use vibrators and dilators and vibrating dilators, which we'll get into, is because we have clients that 
you know, have painful intimacy, mm -hmm. right? And this, and I'm going to speak most about the population that I serve, which is the pre and postnatal women. So if a client has had an episiotomy, if a client has had a birth injury, um, and or had a C-section delivery, there may be a certain amount of scar tissue or adhesions that, that stick around. And so what results from that are the quality of life issues that impacts the pelvic floor. So this could absolutely be intimacy. Um, this could absolutely be painful elimination, whether it's urine or bowel, or it could be um, an inability of feeling stable in your body. You know, so the pelvic floor has to move through full range of motion. It has to be able to know how to lift and contract, let go and relax. Mm -hmm. And relaxing is the one that really we're after when a client has some residual scar tissue, right? So for penetration, it, you have to be able to relax and accommodate. Um, for elimination, same story, right? And even for strength, the body has to be able to be kind of have that rebound recoil effect. And if it can't let go, you're just, you're not muscle isn't as strong as it can be. So we use those three devices that we talked about as a way to give neuromuscular feedback to the muscle so that it can full, move through full range of motion. So this is a little bit akin to, for anyone listening who works with stroke clients, right? Like you may have grabbed a, you know, saw your, you or your mentor grabbed a, a vibrator and maybe put it on mm -hmm. the arm, the bicep that was kind of stuck in a contractor, mm -hmm. same thing, right? In that case, it serves as more of an excitatory reaction, giving that brain and body connection again. Mm -hmm. For us, it's similar, except that it's giving more nourishment. It's giving sort of um, an accommodation to the muscle. It's giving feedback. Um, and it's giving slowly over time an opportunity for that scar tissue to release its hold. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us more. Like, how does, like, what's the progression of this look like? What's, what's the yeah. evaluation process? Yeah. yeah, there's there's not a strict protocol or at least so... Quick disclaimer, one of the biggest reasons why I love pelvic health is because it's not a cookie cutter approach. Mm -hmm. No one's going to hand you a manual and say, this is how you're going to approach every single client. So I say I have two clients back to back and they have the exact same symptoms because it's such a client centered approach. Um, they could walk out of the office, even though they have the exact same symptoms, they may walk out of the office with two incredibly different home exercise protocols. Mm -hmm. And that has so much to do with the time they have on their hands, right? Their, their story of their birth, that has to do with um, their, you know, their available, just their desire and what their goals are. Mm -hmm. So um, in this case for progression, there is no cookie cutter approach. I will tell you the biggest reason why I love using devices is because we're allowing the client to own the process. So they're going to become less dependent on us by using these devices because they're owning it and they have a capacity to do their homework on their own. Mm -hmm. So the alternative would be keep coming back to our office. I'm going to do this. As you guys know, some pelvic floor therapists, including myself, can do internal work, mm -hmm. right? So that would be the alternative is, is me going in and, and doing that internal massage. But by giving them a chance to really own that process, it's the most incredibly empowering opportunity mm -hmm. for them. And they sort of, um, you know, have that lack of dependence on us, which I think is really important. Um, but going back to your question about progression, it's it's a lot with listening, how things are going. 
Um, and it also depends on their symptoms. So I know we're on audio, but of course, next to me, I pre prepared uh, quite a few of my devices um, because it's a lot easier for me to yeah, show you guys. Show us. You we'll know, try to describe it as best as possible. <laughs> and we can also post pictures, yeah, you know, absolutely. in your internet. Um, what I'm holding right now are dilators. And Two this is very this different sized dilators. <laughs> very, very different sized dilators. And I've got a few others here. Uh, in my hand, but I'm kind of showing you the smallest and the mm -hmm. biggest. And so for dilators, their intention and purpose is, is really for our clients that have discomfort with entry. Mm -hmm. So they're silicone. They're incredibly soft. This particular company is named Intimate Rose. Um, they're very malleable and they're really fantastic for helping with any sort of uh, tears or episiotomy pain around the introitus or the entrance to the vagina. Mm -hmm. And let's in, in the in this example, the client does not have any pain with deeper penetration. It is only upon initial penetration. Okay. So this device would basically um, very soft, gentle device has obviously a graded set of sizes with the intent that you start with the smallest and you grow up, you, um, you have it grow into the size that mm -hmm. fits your partner or wherever your goals may be. And so you basically just put it in the entrance of the vagina and you let it sit there. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, let's say six, seven, 10 minutes. You can angle it if you want to. Um, you can put it in further if you want to, but most of the clients, it really serves just to have at the entrance. And you have them in any specific position or whatever is just comfortable for them? What do you advise them? Yeah, yeah. So we want to be practical. We want to meet them where they are. So some clients will do it when they're reclining in bed, right? Before they, mm -hmm. I want them, want their mind, body, and spirit to be relaxed, mm -hmm. right? This is not just a physical rehab process. So we want them, we want them set up for success. So I love it if they can be inclined in their bed with some props or pillows beneath their knees. So they mm -hmm. feel really happy and support it. Um, and they can have the device just sitting right there at the entry. It's important that they do it at a time when they're not going to be interrupted. Mm -hmm. they, they, they can't have even that fear or that nervousness, yeah. like, oh, my kid may break in the door or, you know, whatever the case, you, you want them at ease. So they've got to pick a window of time where they can indulge when they can really relax. Some of my clients will do it in the bathtub mm -hmm. because you can lock the door and they kind of, they've already have their kids for, um, frame, uh, trained that doors close, mommy's in the bath. So that's my <laughs> time. Right. So that's kind of an easy way. Others will do it when they're just kind of sitting watching TV. So really we work with what it suits the client the best. Interesting. Yeah. And then, um, you said a few minutes, like, would you say six minutes, whatever, yeah, one time? Yeah. Are we talking about repetitions? Like, yeah, yeah. So I usually recommend a couple days a week. You know, again, it's got to really fit their schedule and you've got to make it so that they're compliant. And if you hand someone, if you tell someone to do this seven days a week, number one, more is not better. It's not going to be beneficial. And number two, you're going to really, they're going to be really put off by that. So, you know, you've got to meet the client where they are. You've got to really serve them. And I think three days a week is, is plenty. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you systematically grade up the size of the dilator based on their experience, right? Okay. So it could take, it could take two weeks. It mm -hmm. could take you know longer. And basically, you this it comes in a set. So they've got all of these sizes already, mm -hmm. and they're at ready to to try the try the next one. Any chance insurance covers dilators? There is a set of devices that is does. There's a couple sets that are covered by insurance. They're available through well. They're available through CMT. 
Um, it depends on your insurance. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you the downside with those devices is they're usually hard plastic. Oh. So the ones that I'm showing you right now are just yeah. so kind to issue, yeah. you know, I mean, just like the softest material. I wish I could hand this to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's so incredibly soft. Whereas the other ones that, um, I'm talking about are like very hard plastic. Okay. Of course. Yeah. That's of course. What, that's what insurance is on the cover. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I just picture somebody saying, well, it can't be too comfortable. Right. <laughs> <laughs> can't, can't cover the nice ones. Um, okay. So that's for like the initial penetration. What other that's issues come up? Mm -hmm. So the next issue that would come up would be, so you guys know that there's uh, three layers of muscles inside the bowl of the pelvis, which means there's about 16 muscles. Okay. Right. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a, lot. Muscles, there's yeah. a, lot, a lot going on down there, which means that after that first layer, which is what we spoke about, right? If there's pain with initial penetration, that's the first layer. Mm -hmm. When you get further into where the second and third layers are, that's, that's where things get a little bit more complex. And that would be a client would say like deep thrusting is painful. Mm -hmm. A client would say, uh, maybe when I'm in a different position on all fours or sideline, or they may say to me, you know, right when he enters, it's fine. But then past that, I start to get this mm -hmm. burning sensation, right? And so that would be an indication it's the second and third layer. And for those clients, we love small therapeutic vibrators. Okay. So this would also be a graded approach, meaning that there's kind of a series of desensitization that would happen. Uh, first and foremost, uh, clients could just start with their underwear on and they could literally just put the vibrator, not turned on quite yet, just placed right on the entrance of the vagina. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's a lot for a client who may be having experienced this for quite a while. Keep in mind that most of our clients, it can take seven or longer years to find us. Yeah. Right. They've had to rule out UTIs. They've had to rule out it being in their head. Um, they've had to rule out everything that you could possibly mm -hmm. imagine. And finally, they may meet that right referral and mm -hmm. find us. So there's a lot of nervous system layers yeah. that are built up for a client like this. So we really want to be sensitive to, to their story. So for this client, for, for initially, right, you would have the underwear on, you would place the vibrator and just put it there right? And watch, have them watch. The, first of all, you're going to have a sense in your office or with your session with them, the way that they're responding to touch and all of that. Mm -hmm. But um, it could be different when they get home and they're doing it themselves. And so have them just do that and, and have them, have them, have them journal, have them, fit, you know, be able to watch their body's reaction Do their inner thighs closed Do their, do their hips kind of contract, like do their glutes come up off the ground? Like what are signals that their body is sending them, right? Mm -hmm. And so then they're just working there first. If they're ready to progress, then maybe they can turn the vibrator on and have it still be on the outside of their underwear. Um, now, vibrators typically come in 10 speeds. I always start or I always stay with the first speed because mm -hmm. they can ramp up quite, a, quite yeah. an intense <laughs> and party. Quite, quite quickly. <laughs> quickly, right? <laughs> There's no, there's no shades of gray with this. Um, so I would love to make my own device, but anyway, that's like a whole nother, whole nother story. Um, we we so, do too. We, we should, we should all work together. I have a partnership here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so that, and then after that, you can take off your underwear, start the same thing, right? Have it just be at the entrance, have it be at the entrance with the vibration on. And then in the course of our sessions together, they already know where the sensitivity is inside their pelvic floor. Mm -hmm. So then we'll pretend that it's to the right, right? So the client now 
would put, put the vibrator inside, angle it towards that trigger point or that tension or that tightness, exact same protocol, right? Put it there, just have it touch it. Maybe they're using their own hand mm -hmm. uh, without the vibration. Then they put the vibration on and they're just kind of letting it sit there. And same thing, same thing, couple days a week and a time and place that they can have privacy where they can really relax and be present and allow their body to kind of uh, settle, right? And feel nourished, have the blood flow increase to the area, right? We have all of those beautiful neuromuscular properties that are happening, but we also have the mental component and the emotional component that we're leaving time and space for. Mm -hmm. What would therapy goals look like for, for this? Well, I mean, let's take, let's just use an, let's just take a quick example. So maybe we have a client who had a baby, let's say six months ago. Um, and the client has, has not been able to successfully have penetration with their spouse. Mm -hmm. And they have a, let's say a third degree tear on a forcep delivery. So a forcep delivery would be where there's instrumentation involved. And we do see a, a higher increase of likelihood and tearing in a scenario like this. And so let's say her goal was to be able to go back to pain-free sex to achieve orgasm. Mm -hmm. So in a case like this, yeah, that, that would be the goal. Right. And it, it's, you know, I've been doing this long enough that I can tell you it's extremely achievable. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where as a new mom, you're juggling a lot and sleep deprivation, you know, is, is at the top of the list. <laughs> <laughs> which complicates the therapeutic process, right? But that's another reason why we really love doing house calls in the functional pelvis mm -hmm. because we're meeting our clients where they are and we're taking out a lot of those bound, uh, uh, predatory factors like travel, right? Mm -hmm. They have an older child finding childcare and it's so holistic because we're like, I'm, I'm in their home and I'm going, okay, wait a second. That's about over there on your couch, like perfect place for you to, to do your exercises, mm -hmm. whatever the case may be. So yeah, our goal would be to slowly progress them, let's say over a course of eight weeks of getting them back to being able to participate with intimacy again. And it, our, you know, our sessions would include everything from, I mean, there's a lot of education, right? So in the, I think when I was listening to um, uh, your podcast, uh, you know, we talked, they taught, Lindsay and Janelle talked so much about the fact that we leave time and space for their story to unfold. And that's a big part of it. Mm -hmm. um, and then we start to do the assessment. We figure out what's going on, right? So the pelvic floor, the work of a pelvic floor therapist is not just at the pelvic mm -hmm. floor, right? It's such, it's, it's, it's such a big picture to, to truly rehab a client. It's, it's much bigger than just that. Mm -hmm. So um, we're assessing posture, we're assessing breathing, right? We're, we're doing all their abdominal wall. How are they using that? Because that's part of our inner core as well. It's not just the pelvic floor muscles. And then taking into account the amount of time they have to be able to put into their homework. Um, and yeah, we'll get, we'll, we'll get them back. We'll get them back having pain-free sex. Does insurance cover all of this or is this more of a private pay situation? So um, the CPT codes that we use are, are generic, right? Mm -hmm. So, so um, the, both the treatment codes and the CPT codes we'll use are generic enough that insurance does, does cover. Um, a lot of the therapists in New York City are out of network. We are out of network. So you need to have out of network benefits to, to cover our mm -hmm. cost. But um, there are some therapists that are associated with the hospitals um, and some newer clinics that are popping up actually that do cover insurance. So yes, in and of itself, insurance will cover it. 
you just have to be a provider that accepts insurance yeah. because the CBT codes and treatment codes are generic enough. So are we talking like therapeutic activity, manual therapy? We're talking therapy very items. specific United States codes. I apologize to non-US <laughs> <laughs> listeners. <laughs> um, totally. But, but totally. that's we what... Yep. ADLs, therapeutic exercise. Um, yeah. Okay. Manual. Yeah. Okay. All, all, the, all the usuals. Yeah. Okay. Neuromuscular reunification for sure. Okay. Now, when you're providing, or not providing, when you're talking about equipment for individuals yeah. to use, now, is this something that you are providing to your clients? Is this something that you're recommending that they go out and purchase? And how are you kind of referring them to obtain these, like the vibrators and the dilators and, and equipment yeah. like that? So such a good question. Such a good question. So when I first started in this world, like I had, I didn't know anything about, I probably knew about the, um, what's that one in sex in the city, the rabbit, you know, oh, you yeah. know? Uh, yep. <laughs> I, I, I probably owned that. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying that was, a, that was a great um, episode. <laughs> that was a great episode. So I, you know, I, that was probably the extent of my knowledge. And when I got into this world and realizing how much it could help our clients, like I went to our local sex shop and it was a mom and pop one, right? So it wasn't one of the big chains mm -hmm. and I spent time with That's the amazing. owner. It was so, it was so educational and yeah. they were so open to what we did. And it was so much more affordable than going through uh, insurance, right? CMT or yeah. a medical device, right? just walk into the shop and it's going to be like 15 bucks. And I got to actually hold and see and touch them. So I knew what I was recommending to my clients, because here's the thing. You don't want one of those big veiny monstrosities, right? If you've got someone who's no. got pain, it's got to be small. It's got to be unassuming. It's got to be, it's just got to be therapeutic. Yeah. So how I bring it up, I've had 85 year old women buy them. And I refer to it as a therapeutic vibrator, mm -hmm. right? I always add that word therapeutic to it because I'm letting them know the intention is not orgasm. We're not doing this for arousal. Now, if it happens, fantastic, yeah. go for it. Mm -hmm. But the intention is very therapeutic. Um, and I even talk a lot. So I love when partners come in and I'm always very clear to tell both my client and the partner, look, this doesn't, if you're involved with this, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to lead to something, right? We're doing this in hopes that you mm -hmm. guys are going to resume intimacy together, but leave, leave time and space for this being a therapeutic activity, regardless of the fact that, you know, it's, it's, it potentially is going to turn some people on. Right. Mm -hmm. But, but it's important to know that, that this is, uh, you know, considered rehab. Right. So anyway, I was in this sex shop and I got my hands on all the different devices and um, even had them uh, order some new ones because the ones they had were much thicker than I would have liked. So I got to learn a lot about the vendors and the different products that were out there. And so I did that for a long time. And then I started finding devices a little bit cheaper online. And for clients who didn't feel comfortable walking into a sex shop, mm -hmm. right? So Amazon carries a fair amount of them. And Good that's on Amazon. I bought some Amazon. on Amazon myself. <laughs> <laughs> People are buying Amazon stuff all the time, you know, especially as, as moms. So it's like, okay, another package yeah. comes in. Um, there's another company that I really love by the name of Betty's Toy Shop or Betty's Toy Box, I think it's called. So they're fantastic because their customer service is incredible. Um, and so now if you go onto my site, I do have a list of lengthy recommendations and, um, it links to a lot of Amazon and it links to a lot of Betty's toy box. Um, and I highly recommend Teddy's Betty's toy box when clients have a chance because they can just call up and talk to her Oh, fantastic! And they will wonderful. answer. Who it's is so this awesome. Betty? 
So like, her we need to call up Betty. Okay. I know. I want to call Betty. <laughs> her name is actually Carolyn. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess Betty sounded better. I don't know. But she's lovely. And I will say to any of the practitioners that are listening and to you as well, Kay and JJ, they're so lovely with sending samples. Um, so We're calling Betty. Yep. <laughs> Tell her I sent you. She will hook you up. We're, we're perusing your website right now. Just what our listeners want to hear. <laughs> we're looking at something else. Um, they, they can be pursuing it at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So any, so we've talked about the initial penetration, that kind of deeper pen, penetration. What other issues come up, if any? Yeah. Well, I think the other device that I, I do want to bring up is a combination of the two we've talked about. Mm-hmm. So what I've got now here is the vibrating, the, di- the vibrating dilator. Mm-hmm. Um, the unfortunate thing about this is it only comes in about two to three sizes, whereas the dilators that I talked about come in like, I don't know, anywhere from, uh, let's just say 11 and up. Mm-hmm. Um, so this would be for a client who maybe doesn't have the goal of um, getting to an extremely large size, or you don't think has so much sensitivity that you want to really progress them quite slowly. This would be kind of more of a, you know, a client in the mid range. Mm-hmm. And what I really love about this, number one is notice how it's angled mm-hmm. compared to the, the dilator got a little curve and to it got a little curve to it which is great because if you think about the bowl of the pelvis it's not a, a flat sheet mm-hmm. right it's curved and so you want to be able to get to those muscles that are the side wall i can't put it in there guys sorry um <laughs> it's the side wall of the pelvic floor and that would be more like your hip musculature mm-hmm. so your hip musculature is actually part of your pelvic floor so what i really love is just the angled the angled products can really give you so much more access and it's kinder on your wrist, mm-hmm. right? Like, we have a lot of, a lot of moms who have carpal tunnel, who, you know, have decravins and you want to have a device that's, that's, that's comfortable, mm-hmm. right? And not exacerbating other problems while you're, you know, improving your pelvic floor. Um, so yeah, I think those are the three devices that, that I show with my clients that I teach the therapists who are training under me. Um, I think with the diagnoses of, of, you know, the most common ones with painful intimacy can pretty well have, have that met. Now I do want to say that for clients who aren't interested in devices, right. Mm -hmm. The alternative and certainly the more affordable option is using your own hand. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's something we're doing in the office. It's also something that clients are doing at home. And I think it is really important, um, especially for our clients who have had a C-section, you know, let's say an unplanned C-section where part of the touch is also processing the experience. Mm -hmm. Sorry about that. (laughs) No worries. No worries. Um, part of it is processing the experience. And when you have your own hand on versus a device on there, right, it's, it's, you're getting a little bit more in touch. Um, so yeah. Yeah. It's more of an intimate thing with your, yourself and your own body. And, and what does that that mean? Um, so that random music that if anyone heard, um, was because I was pulling up, somebody sent me, and I'm curious if you're familiar with this, um, PeriFit, the smart Kegel exercise. Are you familiar with this at all? I'm not familiar with that particular one, but I'm very familiar with the cable devices in general. Um, shall we segue to that? You want to talk about yeah, that? Yeah. This one, this one has like an app and there's like this kind of biofeedback. It's almost like a video game. <laughs> yeah, totally. A video game for your vagina. So yeah, <laughs> let's talk about video games for vaginas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. 
So um, there's quite a few out there. One of the ones that I think debuted and was really popular for a while was one called the LV, which is E-L-V-I-E. Um, and, you know, I feel like a lot of popped on the market. Probably the one you, you just mentioned is, is an example of that. And so basically, they do provide biofeedback. That's not a term that the clients really hear, but for mm-hmm. the OTs that are listening, are familiar with biofeedback, right? Like that, that makes sense. And so that's pretty fascinating. Um, there's a couple downsides mm-hmm. to them. Um, the first downside is, is that the way that it fits in most of the time, especially for a postpartum woman is such that when you put it in, it will often come out. Mm-hmm. Um, especially as you're trying to learn how to use your muscle. And so if it's giving you biofeedback and in this game that you're playing, you're told from session to session, let's say like how many, so one of them uses like a diamond that you're trying to trying to pick up, mm-hmm. like how many diamonds you retrieve. And let's say you do it the next day and you have the device in a slightly different way and you get a different reading. Your vagina can't that either get as many diamonds. <laughs> You can't get as many diamonds. Um, let's, let's be dazzling happening. Um, we don't um, want our vaginas to feel like failures. <laughs> Absolutely not. And so like, I think it's like, it's garbage in garbage out. Meaning if you're using this as a way to get feedback about improvement and it matters so much how the device, where the position of the device is inside you. Yeah. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty, you know, that's just not so, that's not so relevant. Um, the second issue I have with most of these devices is, so remember how we talked about uh, a muscle needs to be able to relax, mm-hmm. to be stronger, right? Um, and I would say most of my clients, even if they're leaking urine, even if let's say they had any of the myriad of most popular pelvic floor symptoms you read about, I'd say a lot of them are actually too, too tense. Mm-hmm. Their muscles are too much. And there's no way a Kegel is going to help them out of that mess, mm-hmm. right? They need to work on relaxing first. Well, when you put these devices in, these these game for your vagina devices, they will tell you um, the, whole, the whole idea is to lift and squeeze the device up, right? Now, between lifting and squeezing, a word will appear on the screen that says relax or let go. Okay, that's great. Like, I'm ha- so happy they incorporated that. But the tempo that most of these devices use is such that even when I've used them, I couldn't, I didn't give me enough time to relax yeah. in order to do the next repetition. I was so anticipatory of, oh my God, I want to get that next diamond. Like, I, you know, I'm a bit of an overachiever, a type A personality, right? So I'm like, okay. <laughs> I want all the diamonds. <laughs> I want all the diamonds. And so for me, it was, it was, I, and I, and I know better and I still couldn't relax, right? So that's another downside. Um, I will say that there's one device that I will refer my clients to because it it is slightly better in those two arenas. And number one, I have to say that before you refer anyone to them, they really do need to be, need to be checked by a pelvic floor therapist mm-hmm. because if they're not in a rehab position where they need to work on relaxing much more or use a dilator or a vibrator, this is just not for them, right? So it's never something that I would recommend someone just buy off the shelf without going to a pelvic floor therapist and getting an assessment to make sure it's, they're the right candidate for it. Mm-hmm. So let's say I've worked with a client six or eight times and they've gotten so much better. And now at this point, you know, they, they need to move on, right? At that point, if I'm pretty happy with their range of motion, 
I can recommend and have recommended uh, one of these devices. The one in particular that I really like, and it's um, I linked to it on my website, is called the K-Goal. And what I like about it is, number one, it was designed by a pelvic floor therapist, and it has this air pump thing about it, meaning you put the device in quite flaccid. <laughs> and pump it up. And, and pump it up. And so what's cool about this is it's not going to slip out. It now is conforming to oh, your individual yes. shape. Uh-huh. Come on. I mean, I gotcha. that's where you're going to start to get some better data from session to session mm-hmm. for you to go, yeah, I am improving, right? So, and I think sh- the designer does leave a lot more space for the relaxation phase. Okay. So it is a better quality device. So so when are Kegels the answer? When, when do we go down that path? <laughs> Because I feel like in, in my experience, I worked in skilled nursing for a long time. And in my experience, anytime a, a patient had incontinence, the doctor was right away would come running and say, teach him kegels, teach him kegels, which didn't always seem yeah. appropriate. Yeah, yeah. The answer to your question is so rarely. Yeah, that's like kind of what I thought. <laughs> I mean, even for my clients, let's say I truly do have a client who's come to me and um, she she just straight up uh, is her muscles are so uncoordinated that they're in a place of 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 relaxation all the time. Mm-hmm. And she truly does need to just work on what it feels like to lift and elevate, to squeeze and elevate your pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. First of all, clients are, are not so not so common, but let's say we we do have them. Um, in that case, there are so many more interesting things mm-hmm. that I can do than Kegels. Let's face it. Kegels are darn boring. Yep. Right. Like <laughs> who, who wants to do them? I mean, it's like they're boring and they're one quarter of a four part system. So your inner core is made up of your pelvic floor, your diaphragm your transversus abdominis, your low abs, which are your corset muscles, and your multifidus, which are some muscles on the back of your spine. If I just ask you to Kegel all day long, I am only truly impacting one quarter or one fourth of that system. We all know that a more sophisticated and holistic approach would be to incorporate all four Mm -hmm. parts of the system together. And so we can do this in so many more interesting ways and so many more effective ways than a Kegel, right? So I'm really big into functional exercises, exercises that really jazz up my clients and get mm-hmm. them interested and willing and excited to do it. You know, maybe it's stuff with their baby. Maybe it's, you know, yoga type exercises. Maybe, maybe I do have like someone who's much more into heavy weights, like whatever the case may be, we're going to meet them where they are. And we're going to incorporate the basic principles that get them to move their four part inner core system through full range of motion. And that usually doesn't involve cables. Good to know. Good to confirm what I thought. Right. <laughs> But I think that's a message that that will be hard to really get out there. Um, it has been an extremely hard message. Kegels had a so good PR. I don't know. Right. <laughs> they got their time is past, ladies. It is like so old school. It's like 1950s is when Dr. Arnold Kegel came yeah. out with his idea and his system, and it's like okay, it's the 19. It is okay. What are we in now? The year 2020. Like this guy, he's done. 
Um, it's all people. It's all it, people know. It's like it's such a. It's so ingrained. Mm-hmm. A holy grail of the yeah. floor. You know, this profession is about thirty years old, so it's you know it's new. It's new, and so there's a lot things like this, like what you guys are doing now. This podcast. I mean, this is spreading so much great, valid, positive, empowering information. That these are the things that change the tides. Mm-hmm. And um, I will tell you, I meant I, I want. I feel like I need to mention this just because I sound contradictory. Um, you know, the name of my 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 workshop for the public is Keith Pools That Work," right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, a workshop to get women to stop guessing and start taking back control. And I'll tell you, the reason I named it that is because the word pelvic health is not sexy. Mm-hmm. No one is googling the word pelvic health. If no. someone has a problem, they are googling the word Kegel. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And so I'm, I'm, I'm getting them, first of all, even open or coming, giving them the ability to come across my, my workshop. And then once they start reading more about me and my methodology, and I have this weekly newsletter that I send out that's um, kind of debunks all of these myths that we're covering in our session, in our podcast today, the Mm -hmm. moment you kind of come across me in any social media capacity, you very quickly recognize that I'm not so into Kegels. And the workshop is all, first of all, it's an introduction to the pelvic floor, but it's all about how things like posture and breath and functional movement can really impact this. So I'm also hoping with this new workshop that I'm, that it's coming out is also going to really help freshen up and give the Kegel a, a different perspective. Good. Um, yeah. Down with the Kegel. <laughs> <laughs> What would um, a few more kind of specific, I guess, intervention questions? I know it's different for everyone, but kind of if you can have a, a general um, overview, which you touched on a little bit, if it is incontinence, if incontinence is the issue, what what is that going to look like, intervention like, wise? Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. So um, number one is we got to figure out why the incontinence is happening. Right? Is the muscle two tone? Is it hypertonic? Is the muscle too relaxed, hyper hypotonic, right? So what are the state of the muscles, right? And so that's, that's a huge thing. Um, what is the abdominal, how is the abdominal wall relating to any of this? So are they, you know, bulging their, their stomach out to kind of recruit and really find that, that stamp that, um, stability, um, the placement of their diaphragm. A lot of, a lot of times after a woman gives birth, the diaphragm will sit quite low and the diaphragm is such an important part of the pelvic floor. In fact, I call it the conductor of the core. It, it really has this incredible impact um, and relation, symbiotic relationship with the pelvic floor. So we want to get them breathing. We want to mm-hmm. make sure that age doesn't have, you know, a lot of sticking points or stuck areas, which after we have kids, a lot of times that rib cage is like really, you know, like we don't rotate a lot or um, rotate or um, what's this? What am I doing right now? Rotate, side bend. We don't do a lot of that throughout pregnancy. And so a lot of times I'll see women who are quite stuck there. And if the rib cage can't expand, the diaphragm is really impacted, which means the pelvic floor is really impacted. So we're assessing that stuff. We're assessing their sitting posture, their standing posture. If we're in that sort of like C-shaped slumped over position throughout our day, our pelvic floor muscles are really impacted. Um, so we're sitting on our tailbone, which is not meant to be a weight bearing bone. And that's also sort of elongating the back part of the pelvic floor musculature and shortening the front which over time will really sort of change that length tension relationship. So I'm spending a lot of time in their house looking at 
their activities of daily living and their positioning in those. So we can start tweaking those things, right? So getting their couch set up so that, you know, where they're, let's say they're a nursing mom, right? So they're spending a whole lot of time on that couch. What sort of props can we set them up with? Making sure their feet are actually touching the ground so their pelvis, right? All like that wheelchair assessment yeah. stuff we probably did in grad school. Mm -hmm. Like getting all of that stuff in. Um, then I'm finding out like, okay, what are you doing when you're leaking? Because you really want to make it, figure out what's happening in their system when they, when, when it's leaking. So I'm going to give a quick example for the sake of clarity. Let's say we have a client who um, is baby wearing, right? And so every single time they pick the baby up off of the changing table and put the baby in the baby carrier, that's when they're leaking. Okay. Not leaking any other time, but that's their main complaint. So I'm going to watch her do that. And um, a client is coming to mind right now where when she, when I saw her do that, I saw her breath holding. So I saw her doing kind of like a Valsalva maneuver, right? The baby, she, she, she's very nervous, right? Cause the wrap was a new thing for her. And you know, you gotta get all those buckles and belts situated and you gotta get it tight on your body. And then you're picking baby up, ever growing baby. And you're finding a way to put baby in that carrier, snap all those funky things so the baby is secure. And during that entire process, she was holding her breath as a mechanism for feeling stable, as a mechanism for strong right and i think that what she was doing was really sort of bearing down on her pelvic floor and and urine was was coming out mm -hmm. we i would watch that look for all those signs and and symbols of things that we know could be problematic and we would start right then and there right of giving her new strategies for how to accomplish this task probably do task analysis break it up into many pieces you know have her blow or exhale as she's doing it which puts the pelvic floor in a, a position of um a kegel more of a contracted um tighter position of stability because that's what she's really seeking in that moment she's seeking stability so you're going to actually give her the opportunity to recruit inst for stability in the most proper way she can which is going to become an exercise. So not only is she um, actually accomplishing the task in a way that's gonna make it less um, symptomatic for her, but you're actually also going to be giving her a rehab exercise mm -hmm. at the same time. Pretty the awesome. The most common theme of our podcast, it all comes back to activity analysis. <laughs> <laughs> Everything yes. comes back to activity analysis. And I think we as practitioners forget that so much. We see something that's new and unfamiliar and we think we need all sorts of extra special training. Um, but often it comes just down to that, analyzing that activity. Yep. <laughs> I remember the, my first task analysis assignment was hair curling. <laughs> it was. my In our lab, like we were all assigned stuff that we normally did. And yeah. at the time, I hadn't had children yet. And my hair was actually really curly. And so I was like, I've never used a hair curler before. So <laughs> it, was, it was a pretty fun exercise. <laughs> that is fun. Um, what can, what can you tell us about lubes? I know. Thank you. I was going to shift there too. <laughs> this is such an important topic. We could have a whole podcast just on this. Very, very, very give us a few, give us a little bit and then, and then maybe we'll have to have you come back for a whole lube podcast. I would love that. So I actually do have like a, a 30 minute lesson that's for free wow. um, for professionals about lube, because I think it's something we all could, in. first of all, for our own selves, it's super important. And then it's information we can absolutely impart to our clients. So I'm um, more than happy to give you guys a link to that lesson. Cause I yeah. think it's super important. Um, and I even go into like uh, more uh, hotly debated controversial topics like CBD lube and stuff like that in it. But oh, for the oh, sake of time, now, 
now, let's talk about the three main categories of lube. And those are water, silicone, um, and oil-based. And what's really important to know is that in all three of these categories, most of the lube that you'll find over the counter has really unhealthy ingredients in it. So most of them have, um, um, the, uh, the name's completely left my brain. It's gonna come to me. Um, it's an ingredient that's used, propylene glycol. It's an ingredient that's used to de-ice airplanes. Oh, that's what I want in my vagina. <laughs> And I guess they're trying to get us to be less frigid. I don't know. <laughs> oh, good one. <laughs> um, so it's also the vapor that you see with e-cigarettes. That's propylene glycol. Um, really irritating to the vaginal tissue. Um, then there's uh, um, gl uh, glucose, right? So that it actually has like a, a sweetness to it. Um, that's, that's sugar that feeds the yeast in our vagina. So for those of us that are prone to yeast infections, not such a great idea. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's a lot of really bad chemicals that actually dry out the vagina, um, and irritate it. And these are your over the counter lubes, right? So, um, I go into great depth about like what ingredients you want to avoid and why you want to avoid them. And this is a handout I give to all my clients, by the way because I want them to be informed. I'm not just trying to push a product on them. I want them to know, first of all, there's quite a few products that are good out there, but I want them to know when, like, let's say they happen to go into their local drugstore and they have to pick up a lube, like they're going to know, okay, wait, this has propylene glycol in it. Like that's not for me. Right. Mm, I feel like I need um, to go check my drawer right now. <laughs> <laughs> Might have to throw out some lubes. <laughs> <laughs> we're all, we're all, uh, I think we all could benefit from this. I mean, yeah. it's, it's such discussed topic. It's so important. Um, I remember I went into, uh, in New York city, there's a really popular sex shop by the name of babes in Toyland. Um, and I went in there talking, I had a, I was giving a talk there and I ended up spending a lot of time with some of the, the workers there. And none of them knew that none of them knew the chemicals that people should be avoiding. They mm. knew all about their products and they were, but they just didn't know about, like we had a 15 minute discussion on like, I ran down all of the, the chemicals and they, they didn't even know. So and what's imp what I'm saying, why I'm mentioning this, it's important for clients to be empowered because they can't go to a local expert and expect yeah. them to know as good as this sex shop is in New York city. It's a really widely well-respected shop. Um, you know, they didn't even know this. Yeah. So super important for our clients to have this information. Um, and so then there's reasons why you would pick one of those three products, one of those three categories over another. So water-based is really important for people who um, are using condoms because it would be the, the most compatible, right? It wouldn't break down the condom, uh, which, you know, when silicone meets um, uh, latex, right? It can, it can break it down. Mm. So that's, thing. Um, the only thing with water is that it's not as emollient. It can dry out with exposure to air. So if there's a lot of friction, right, like it's, it's going to dry out. The other misnomer, because it dries out so quickly, a lot of people reapply water-based lube and that actually, believe it or not, exacerbates the dryness. So if you're using water-based lube and you need to, you want more because it's starting to evaporate, you actually should use spit, believe it or not because the spit will enhance the water-based lube and will make it um, more emollient. Interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, re it's, it's quite fascinating. 
Um, and then the silicone is my favorite. If you're not using condoms, it's hands down the best because it's the most long lasting. Um, you hardly, you very rarely need to reapply because it just is so luxurious. Mm-hmm. Um, it, downsides are it could stain, it could stain sheets and things like that or garments. Uh, not all do, but some do. Um, and then the last category is oil-based and oil is really controversial because oil to me is only best used for uh, perineal external massage. So um, we talked a little bit about like the vibrators and the dilators, but for clients that aren't having intimacy, but still need to give their tissue where they tore a little bit of feedback to mm-hmm. help um, the, you know, the, the rehab process getting oil-based lube and doing your own perineal massage is really helpful. I don't want a client using oil-based for penetration though. And that's because, so oil doesn't mix with water. And when oil goes inside the vaginal canal, um, it doesn't come out very easily, even if you're you know, taking a bath or anything. So it's gonna hang out in the vaginal canal for quite a while and it can change the pH. Um, which can lead to infections, mm-hmm. right? Vaginismus, or not vaginismus, excuse me, vagina. Um, what's the one? You've got yeast infections. Vaginosis. The vaginosis, vaginosis, right? Sorry, there's a, those are a, vaginismus is a term for painful intimacy. Yeah. Um, and so you you can just change the whole health and equilibrium of the of the vagina by by using oil inside. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a quick overview of the three, the three main ones and why you would pick them and why it's super important to be aware of what's in your lube. Fantastic. Yeah. This was fantastic. I know. I learned a lot. I predict future more pelvic floor episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Every time we learn more and more. I I learn more and I have a few more questions. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Lindsay, for being on OT After Dark, uh, Fabulous, fabulous episode. Um, very informative. Um, and we, we thank you so much for sharing all of your expertise with us. I, I'm so grateful to be on it. Thank you so much. I didn't think there was going to be any more to learn about pelvic floor therapy. And boy, was I wrong. You were wrong. And I feel like we could have many more episodes <laughs> to come on <laughs> pelvic floor therapy. Um, yeah, very interesting con- conversation with Lindsay. Um, I wish I do feel bad. We had a lot of visuals that our listeners aren't going to have. There was a whole, well, we posted, there was a whole pictures. pelvic floor that was being shown to us with all the dilators. A nice little model. <laughs> um, but you can find Lindsay where at functionalpelvis.com. Um, and as she, she referred to a lot during the podcast, um, she's got a lot of recommendation for, um, vibrators, dilators, lubricants, all sorts of things on her website. Courses that she offers. Yeah, I'm going to take some of those courses. Absolutely. Um, and then you can take take a look for her on social media. As always, sex is an ADL. Cheers! Cheers.